0: This is Father Bonaventure Chapman.
1: This is Father
2: Jacob Bertrand Jansik. and this is Father Joseph Anthony Cress.
0: And welcome to God'splaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show or benefit from it, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like, subscribe to God'splaining wherever you listen to or watch your podcasts father jacob Bertrand, father joseph anthony what's up greetings to you on this Tare sunday
1: greetings mm-hmm. to all actually let's go
0: greetings to all how, how are you all doing
1: just peaching. i'm so late ing it's great that's great
0: so <laughs> um latar- sounds like a like a it's a, it's a, a latar is a sort of stringed instrument and i and i just have this image of you playing a large stringed instrument All a liar i suppose is the connection mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. just plucking yeah, away some sort of medieval renaissance kind of festival under an
2: oak tree or um, something right
0: exactly mm-hmm. summoning forth fawns or other oh. mystical <laughs> mystical creatures uh, oh, but yeah. that's not what we're going to talk about necessarily oh. we'll we'll see um, the question that I have to you all is this is Laetare Sunday. And for Laetare Sunday, we wear rose-colored vestments. This is two times in the year you get to wear these things publicly. Um, yeah. And the other the other one is Gaudete Sunday, of course, in in Advent. But Laetare Sunday, we wear rose, often confused with pink, because it kind of is pink, and some of them are super pink. Um, so I would say, uh, Father Joseph Anthony and Father Jacob Richards, any stories that are fun of wearing Pink. Could be liturgical. Mm. Could be just other series. When you think of wearing pink, when have you have you ever worn pink? Under what circumstances have
1: you worn pink? Uh, <laughs> and anything about oh, that. Oh no. So wearing oh, gosh. pink. Um, I'm not gonna talk about myself because that's none of your business. <laughs> uh, so I'll talk about somebody else. That's everyone's somebody. business.
0: Everyone wants to know. They're hashtagging right now. Hashtag yeah, right now. When does Father well, Jacob Jacob wear all pink? They want
1: they can hashtag all they want the story that pops to mind that you guys might remember during our novitiate,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, when we, we went to St. Patrick's in Columbus, Ohio, uh, for okay. Gaudete Sunday during admin mm-hmm. and father, uh, our, our, novice master father, novice master was the, in this pink rose vestment, but it was like a bazooka gum, pink, Hot it pink. was like, it was like, he came out for mass and we were all just like, Oh my. Goodness, that is, yeah, that, that's bold. That is a bowed pink bow, baby. So, it's bowed. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was
0: embracing so, Latar. That was, yeah, that was Godetane uh, to the max. God, that, dude, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was divine attribute kind of pink.
1: So mm-hmm. when I just think of that, whenever I mean, I actually like the rose, the pink mm-hmm. vestment that we have here at St. Denis. So oh, I'm not like, oh, I have to wear. It's in yeah. I'll get it. Don't worry. Uh, well, it's not like viewers. Uh,
0: Father Jacob Richard will post it on a, a picture yeah. or something. So you'll you'll see. Perhaps yeah, or maybe on sure. in the Instagram or something. Okay.
1: All right. Carry for on. For sure. Yeah. I was just going to say that I don't like dread wearing the rose pink vestments, but I always think: would there ever be? Would I ever be embarrassed? I can just think of that uh, mass, and mm. I would be fine. Yeah,
2: Father Joseph Anthony
1: I have to Um
2: yeah, I, I've I've worn pink uh unironically before uh when mm-hmm. I was in college and I have no shame about that. There was one time in college where um I was working in admissions, and I had a I was wearing pink that day as one would do. I think it was a Wednesday, but not entirely sure on that and they were doing some pictures for like a upcoming alumni magazine or something along those lines and they needed some you know happy smiling faces and so i got pulled out of the the back closet where we had all of our phones because i would just answer phones all day at admissions and they sent me off with a photographer so there are some pictures of me at some admissions trifold pamphlet or something for francisco university and i'm rocking a pink shirt in there so uh those do exist somewhere um okay yeah viewers go look those convey. up if you
0: could post those on instagram if you can find father joseph anthony Cress yeah. in a, in tag, a me in, tag me tag me in those yeah um he uh-huh. was at Franciscan's uh, 1984 life. so look in
2: 1984 yes. 1988
0: 84 okay. to 88 those are the years That's right. perfect yeah i uh well, I, I, I used to wear shirts and ties uh, and mm-hmm. sport coats um, To when I was teaching before entering the order. Uh, I love wearing sport coats and shirts and ties, uh, but I don't get to do that much anymore, which is fine. Uh, everyone makes sacrifices. And uh, one of my, I had a pink shirt and a pink tie, which was gorgeous. And when I was teaching at a high school, um, the art teacher, uh, as a gift at the end when I was leaving, uh, got me a pink sport coat uh, to, to match with this sort of thing. Now, the thing is, though... Uh, pink sport coats are not usually men's sports coats or men's jackets because I was like, I was, I I thought, Oh, this is great. So I put it on, I was putting it on and I thought it's, it's a little, is this
2: a Michael Scott moment
0: tight in the, yeah, it's a little tight uh in the shoulders Uh and it buttons on the wrong side. And there's a lot of space (laughs) down. I mean, this is just seems, you know, but thankfully it was for a, or a woman's my size ish so it just fell but i did have this i did have this coat and i would wear it sometimes um when when doing things especially valentine's that kind of stuff and when i was in oxford when we were introducing ourselves to the other seminarians it was like our first night you had this kind of thing um i was bolder then maybe than i am now uh i wore i wore my pink coat and tie um to introduce myself to all of the oxfords which you know now thinking back upon it um Uh could have sent messages Uh that perhaps would have would have been Uh, could have wrong messages, but I feel like, you know, if you, if you carry yourself in a masculine manner is the way that father Jacob Bertrand does, um, you can wear any color you want.
1: So, with I just want to say, before no, before we go on to yeah. the collect, I just right. want to say t- a two second thing. Father Bonaventure, for those who don't know, Father Bonaventure is colorblind. So when he says a beautiful pink, he has no idea what that <laughs> is, what even remotely look like. Yeah. So Correct. now to the collect. Very true.
2: Thank you for That's adding great. that, Father <laughs> Jacob Bertrand, because that All is right, a, a crucial piece of information that everybody needs to know.
0: Let's yeah. start ourselves off then with, uh, <laughs> with with a, a Laetare collect. Oh, God who through your word reconciled the human race to yourself in a wonderful way, grant, we pray, that with prompt devotion and eager faith, the Christian people may hasten toward the solemn celebrations to come. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. For our first reading, Father Joseph Anthony, could you, ta- could you take it away? Yes.
2: A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I've chosen my king from among his sons. As Jesse and his sons came to the the sacrifice, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, but because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all, your, all, all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to him. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, there, anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel with a horn of oil in hand, anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the spirit of the Lord rushed upon david the word of the lord thanks be to god
0: not as a man sees does god see because man sees the appearance but the lord looks into the heart this is both i think a consoling and a troubling saying Uh, more consoling though i think than troubling of course consoling because sometimes appearances are not just deceiving but defective our plans don't come off our lives don't work out. Our intentions are misunderstood, those around us. Our work is devalued and even degraded. All outward realities, appearances, seem to point to failure. But the Lord doesn't judge by these. He judges by the heart. That's the consoling part. And troubling, though, for the very same reason. Because sometimes our appearances, the outward realities, are good. Our plans are working out. Our outward success is obvious, and for all those to see and to give us praise and and acclamation. But the Lord doesn't judge by these. He judges the heart. And the heart is or ought to be entirely in our control. No one else can take it from us, although we can give it to others. We can't be forced or coerced. It's a free act of our very person only we can do things with our heart and so often our control over our hearts is not that well controlled but we here are reminding are remind to remind ourselves that the lord is not only the judge of hearts but also the lover of hearts he in his sacred heart is happy to help conform our hearts as they ought to be conformed to him
1: in the selection i guess you could say the selection yeah it's a selection of jesse um there there's a sort of revealed um what unexpected reality of god's providence that it's not always yeah i mean to to make an explanation the same as what i just said it's not always god's plan is not always what we would expect it to be we can think of this perhaps more directly in the gospels you know when especially uh, the sermon on the mount for example or the parable of the seed that the seed must fall into the ground and die before it gives life when the reality of the of the resurrection that it's through christ's death that life is is given but even here there's the reality that jesse wouldn't be the normal or the expected candidate to to be selected here there's a sort of unexpected reality to god's providence and though we may be surprised by the way it is that God has chosen to work out his plan of salvation in the world and in, in our own lives. It's of course, you know, not surprising to God. It's God's plan. It's his providence. It's his working out of, of all things. Um, ours, I guess then as, as like the season of Lent carries on, and if the end of the season of Lent is to be more and more conformed to Christ by clearing out the things that might otherwise keep us from him, ours is to be, um to begin to see as as god sees to be moved by his grace and especially to be moved by his holy spirit we can think of the gifts of the holy spirit in the ways that we begin to see things less according to our standards less according to earthly standards as father bonaventure was didn't say directly but certainly talking about um but and more and more according to god's standards to the standards of what is above to the standards of 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 christ so it is you know, within the process, we could say of conversion that, that we are made to see um, things through the eyes of God. So I would say, you know, be patient with that, but also expect it. We ought to expect that, that God will work out his providence in our lives in similar fashions.
2: In, um, in the read the accounts of the first readings throughout all of Lent, um, I always I think I said this in one of our earlier uh, episodes, but just want to reiterate: during the season of Lent, the first reading is accounting of the major events in the history of Israel. Um, the vast majority of the time, the other liturgical seasons, the first reading always connects to the gospel. But here in Lent, we're actually just following the major events in the history of um of israel we had um creation we had the calling of abraham we had moses and now we have the anointing of king david and we find that the the prophet samuel is sent to him to anoint him as king and there's this beautiful connection between the anointing of king and the sacrificial banquet so we see the 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 beauty of the the sacrificial banquet which is always a priestly um role and priestly responsibility is held back from being initiated until the king is anointed, until the king uh, is present there in in his proper role. Um, But we see this this beauty of the anointing of the king. We heard about the calling of Abraham. We heard about how the the theophany of Moses, when we think about the Mosaic um, covenant in those ways. But here with the Davidic covenant, it's comes about by an anointing. And that'll be something that comes up later in the gospel. And that's something that comes up throughout the rest of um, the life of Jesus is the fact that he's referred to, um, seen as the anointed one, the Messiah, who has come to save his people. And we are um, introduced to that in the Davidic covenant, we're introduced to that in this um, calling of David, but in his anointing, that immediately Um, draws him into the sacrificial banquet uh, in that way.
0: Okay, well, my turn for the second reading. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: We're probably well familiar with the theme of of light and darkness in the scriptures of course we can think of of the gospel of john where this is a main theme throughout um obviously that's it's not exclusive to to john or his his gospel because here we have it in saint paul this idea of, of light and darkness christ preaches that i am the light of the world and here um i guess just a couple words brief words about living in the light the light that we're called to live into or to live in um even the light that we're called to be right because saint paul says but now you are light in the lord um there's the the reality of the light is that the light of christ shines forth in all facets of who we are as men and women and with that there there's a great beauty there's a great um hope there's there's all of that but there are also these these sort of growing pains the the light can be a painful reality in in a way because it reveals our error our weaknesses our sins it makes those things known we could say they even come to light and that is part to the christian life of conversion that what is less than perfect what is sinful in us is is made known not necessarily in a public way but it's made known to us to god um that's part of living in the light but also with that comes the reality that the light is Jesus Christ and the light that 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 we are called to live in tune to be part of is the light of the savior is Christ himself our merciful our merciful God who comes to die for us. So it's not a shedding of a light of a sort of um, just to be accusatory and say, hey, this is how this person has failed or this is what's whatever bad or, you know, it's not a sort of um, light in that sort of sense, but it's a light that reveals so as to, so as to heal so that we might recognize our sinfulness, that we might um, recognize our need for a savior, but also be invited and in and pursue that savior. So I think there is kind of a double edged sword with the light that we are called to live into but one that we ought to lean into, because in the end, the light is the truth. It is Christ. It is he for whom we're made.
2: Awake, O oh sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That that calling out to each of us to awake, um, to awake from our slumber, to awake from the sleep, uh, and to begin to rise to live to take that first inhale of the morning in the light of christ um i remember growing up as a kid uh, there was one one weekday morning where um i was getting ready for school and i woke to the sunlight coming through my room and just cascading on my bed and just allowed the sun to kind of gently awake me and realize that I had slept through the alarm and I was not going to be able to be ready for school. I was going; I had already missed the bus um, and yet I was allowing that kind of beauty and the gentleness of the light of the sun to wake me up. What I didn't realize when I first woke up at that moment was actually my mom had come into the room and turned my alarm clock off because we had a snow day that day and there was no need to awake and I could just sleep in and let the sun wake me up. And now I look back on that and just like have that joy of that kind of allowing the the sunlight to be my alarm clock. And I think that there's, defi- there's definitely been moments a little more recent where I've slept through my alarm and had the sun almost not just gently wake me up, but kind of like sucker punch me awake where I feel like, oh my gosh, I've slept through everything. I'm late, I'm running. It's like my entire day is off to an awful start. But that's not necessarily where we're where we at. I think there's a certain um, ability to be that child again, allowing the gentleness and the light to awaken us from our slumber and to enter us into our day. Whereas as we grow up with becoming adults and, and other aspects of our life that become more anxiety-ridden, the responsibilities become burdensome. And then if we uh, aren't up before the sun, then we feel that we're not being productive enough and we miss that opportunity. And if we sleep through our alarm, then that's a horrible thing. And here in those final lines, in Presented as Christ being that light that wakens us, and remember how the Lord encourages us to be like children um, in order to enter the kingdom. In the joys of that kind of freedom, to allow the sun to awaken awaken us in the morning, and to have that that joy to enter into that day in the freedom as well.
0: Father Jacob Bergeron mentioned the t- dual aspect of this light that it reveals. Uh, and brings out truth but also it can be painful searing in a sense because it reminds us of how far we've we've failed or what stains are there that in the dark can be hidden uh, but now are manifested in the light i want to meditate for a second on another at dual aspect of light is it not only reveals but as everyone knows it warms Uh, you look at your temperatures you're going outside and it says 70 or 65 but it makes a significant difference when you're outside whether you're standing in the sun or in the shade to what you feel there sunlight warms those that it falls upon why well for the reason that joseph anthony talked about light punches you that's what the photon quality of light is little particles let's ignore the wave mechanics stuff for now but particles that are hitting your you And punching you around, and moving you. And that's significant in this passage, because light not only makes clear things that you want to hide, but that need to be brought out, but also warms, energizes, affects, draws, pushes, makes you move. Move towards what? Well, if you're warmed, you want to warm and move towards the sun. If you feel a little bit of light, you want to get more into the light to warm yourself from out of the cold and of the dark. And the light, in a sense, moves you to that. It energizes and makes you more active in these ways, both physically, but also in the spiritual sense. That the light of Christ is not just to reveal, as Father Jacob Bertrand said, in a judgment fashion, but for the revelation that you might be more active alive in Christ by being not only revealed where you need to be fixed and where you need to be healed, but also in the very revelation, healing and activating through grace, your lives. We'll turn now to the gospel, and I'll ask Father Jacob Bertrand to read that for us.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, "Go wash in the pool of Silawam, which means scent." So he went and washed and came back able to see his neighbors and those who had been and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, "Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg?" Some said it is, but others said, "No, he just looks like him." He said, "I am." So they said to him, "How were your eyes opened?" He replied, the man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, go, go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, he put clay in my eyes and I washed and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinful man do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who gained his sight. They asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, they would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said he is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, if he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, what did he, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus answered them. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, we see. So your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
2: All right, we have a long gospel there's so much to say here and so much to break down and we're not going to be able to get through it all. But here are two things that I want to mention. The first is that the blind man who has his sight restored by the Lord Jesus, um, goes through kind of a progression of faith when asked, like basically his thoughts on Jesus and, and who cured him and cured him of his blindness. They asked him, do you know where he is? And he's like, I don't, I don't know where he is. And then later is like, well, you know they continue to question him he's like well i think he's a prophet he's a man of god um and then later when he gets encounter or when he is face to face with the lord jesus again he's able to profess him not just as a prophet but now he professes him as lord and worships worships him so we see that there's this progression of faith of him saying like i, I really don't know what what his deal is or like yeah he's he's a prophet To then, no, you are the Lord, you are the anointed one, you're the Messiah, and I will worship you as God, in that sense. We see that progression in this um, lengthy liturgical uh, selection that we have in front of us. But each and every time he makes that profession, each and every time he kind of makes that step further in his faith, to start to recognize who Jesus truly is, is because he's being questioned about it. And... um, you know what working with so many different students and um parishioners i think sometimes there's this fear of having to you know fear of being questioned about one's faith of being quote unquote called out about it and not knowing what to do but we see with this man that it's in him being questioned about what happened and his responses are so, they're, they're so beautiful because he just simply kind of keeps reiterating the facts he's like i was born blind this man, I put mud on my eyes, and now I can see. That's what I know, and now I'm starting to come to this deeper understanding of who he is upon the reflection, upon further questioning, upon these d- deeper things. His faith is growing to such a point that he refers to Jesus face-to-face and says, Lord, and worships him. The last thing I want to say here is towards the later end of the gospel, after this man gets thrown out of the uh, synagogues, Jesus hears about it, and then Jesus pursues him. Jesus goes looking for him. It says, when Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And for me, the, this also speaks to the reality of the beauty of intercessory prayer. Because somebody had to see him get thrown out by the um, by the Pharisees and the scribes, and then turn to Jesus and say, remember that guy that you you know spat on the ground and put mud on his eyes? He just got kicked out. And then Jesus, hearing that, turns and goes and pursues him. And so I think it's an encouragement for each one of us to see, you know, when somebody is defending the faith, when somebody is, is making that progression in their own faith, that we can constantly still pursue or intercede f- for them to the Lord Jesus, saying, like, they're growing in their faith. Lord, continue to pursue them. Go back to them and strengthen them and give them the opportunity to proclaim you as Lord and worship you.
0: Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Rather, this condition was permitted to show the works of God through him. These are not always comforting words that make it seem like this man is a mere puppet, sort of stage prop, some magic show of miraculous power. What to say? This. God, it seems, does permit things in our lives and those we love, often of our own making, but sometimes not, in order to draw a greater good from them. This is the old Felix Culpa, the O Happy Fault, that we're aiming at in the Easter Vigil. The mysterious plan and foreknowledge of God which permits what is not good in order for a greater goodness to occur. Kids, do not try this at home on your own. It is not an easy task or a skill, for it is hard enough to get good out of good things in this world where we are concerned. But God is God. He holds the past, the present, and the future in his hands. He knows what he's doing. If we doubt that, as we may, he has given us another much more powerful witness than the curing of this man's blindness. He has given us his son redeemed on the cross and sanctifying us in the Eucharist, both divine permissions, as it were, not for his good, but for ours.
1: It's interesting to look at this reading and we could do this with other passages and to consider the various people involved um you know we have for the sake of our last moments of consideration three groups or three people we have the blind man we have his parents and sort of those watching those not directly involved and then the pharisees and each kind of take on a sort of a role so the blind man of course is as father joseph anthony described as one who comes to faith and represents represents faith the parents are the parents and those watching those who aren't terribly sure who kind of afraid aren't yet you know living in the fullness of faith but there's stirring there there's something that there's they're watching they're paying attention and the pharisees who represent the hardness of heart often it's easy for us to to sort of look at a setting like that and to say this person falls there this person falls there i fall here Um, but perhaps really it's more of a consideration of what you know what parts of us or when is it in our lives that we are like the blind man when is it that we put our trust in the lord and come to believe in him when is it that we might sit back a bit afraid of giving ourselves to the Lord when is it that our hearts are hardened or and what circumstances and you know as we find ourselves in the middle of Lent uh, a good time yeah to to use this as a sort of fodder for your own consideration of what is it in my life and my relationship with the Lord that is that is going okay and going well. And where is it that the Lord is, you know, and how is our Lord asking to bring that to further completion and what needs work? Where am I weak? Where is my faith weak? And how can I beg the Lord again in these remaining weeks of Lent and preparation of Easter to heal me, to draw me to himself, to, to soften my heart that I might hear his word and live with him.
0: We'll conclude with the final prayer from the mass. Look upon those who call to you, O Lord, and sustain the weak. Give life by your unfailing light to those who walk in the shadow of death and bring those rescued by your mercy from every evil to reach the highest good through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, that's it. Thanks again to all of our supporters. If you like what you've heard or you like our work um, and would like to give something to our work, please check us out at patreon.com forward slash godsplaining follow us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok i don't know what we do there but we do tiktok we we talk there <laughs> uh, like subscribe leave a five or many star review visit godsplaining.org for shop to shop our our merchandise and get dates and information about upcoming godsplaining events and retreats and those are just coming right around the corner so get ready for those know of our prayers for you please pray for us and we'll catch you next time on God's godsplaining